If you would, please come on in and have a seat, and then we'll get started this morning. We want to welcome everyone to our services here at the Boonville Church of Christ. We're glad that you're here uh, on a very special day. Thank you for being here. We, we come together this morning to worship the Lord, and we're fixed to uh, engage in that activity. Before we start, would you please take the survey of uh, the friendship register from the pew in front of you and pass it down so we can have a record of everyone's attendance. Let's begin our time together in prayer. Our Father, thank you for all the many blessings that you bestow upon us. We're thankful that you bless us as a congregation, and we pray that you will help us as we see the opportunities that you open up for us in this year, and we pray that we'll have the strength and the courage to step through those doors of opportunity and spread your kingdom and your love throughout this community and around the world. These things we ask through Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. The first song we'll be singing this morning is My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. Let's sing. My hope is built on nothing less.
Our kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we again come to you today thanking you for all past blessings. Father, thank you for giving us this day to come out and study your word and become better than we were yesterday and be better tomorrow. Father, we pray that you be with the ones that have been mentioned as being sick. Be with them, Father, and be the ones that's tending their needs. And if it be thy will, Father, have him restore that piece of health that they so desire. Father, we also ask that you be with our military, Father. Be with them as they protect us, and we thank you for their efforts. Father, we also ask that you be with Ken today as he brings a lesson to us. Father, let us listen attentively in view of eternity. And Father, we also thank you for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins. Father, we ask these blessings in his name. Amen. The invitation song will be Amazing Grace. To prepare our lines, minds for Mr. Ken's lesson today, we'll be saying Rescue the, rescue the Perishing. Please stand. you do be done in love. Good morning, everyone. It's terrific to see you here today. You may not recognize that tree but I want to put it in some context. Jonathan Godsey, who actually is the grandson-in-law of the Mormons, he sent me this picture this week. 
He said, do you remember coming to Amory and helping a family move who had sustained the destruction of their house in the tornado? And I said, Jonathan, I will never forget that day. That day, March the 30th of just last year, is when a group from Boonville went to Amory, spent all day helping them with disaster relief. He sent me this picture, he said, because that is actually the site where that house was. And for those who went over there to that house, you'll remember much of the floor was pretty spongy. We weren't sure if we'd fall through the floor or not. A lot of that house was absolutely destroyed and the family was gonna to have to move to another town. So our job was to pack up all their furniture and belongings on that day and load it up so they could move. And it was, it was a heart-wrenching sight, but it was pretty typical of what we saw over there in Amory. He said, the reason I sent you this picture is because now that lot has been cleared and all that remains there is that tree. He said, I drive by that tree all the time and every time I do, I'm reminded of two things. One, I'm reminded of the impact that the Boonville Church of Christ had on the church in Amory. And number two, he said, I'm reminded of our joint participation together in that work. That to me is a great example of what we're talking about this year, about grasping the opportunity. There are opportunities all around us and I'm thankful to be a part of a congregation that does its best to grasp those, aren't you? Eddie Mooney's here today Eddie had surgery on Tuesday with his thyroid, and he's one of those members here that just seems to be ageless and superhero in their strength. Luther's sitting there. He's enduring his pain, but they are here, and they ought to be a tribute to all of us that despite those setbacks, they, they find it within themselves to be back and a part of this fellowship. Martha Yates had ankle surgery this week, and she is still in pretty serious pain with that, but she is recovering. Liz Floyd's son, Tim Floyd, had emergency colon surgery at UAB this week. Very serious, but he is in recovery. Martha Eaton fell and broke her leg just above the knee, and it required surgery. Doug Smith was there for the surgery and he visited her yesterday and sounds like the report that he gave indicated that she's really had a time. Surgery was successful, but just recovering from that and trying to get stable has been a challenge. I have a neighbor, many of you know, a chip nanny on Wednesday totally out of the blue. His liver failed 
And not only that, but now he is in such serious condition that they're talking about a liver transplant. I don't know how things like that happen. One minute you're healthy and strong, young. The next minute you need a liver transplant. Things can happen and sway so very quickly. You can imagine that family, community. Well, I know many of you are very close friends with them. We want to pray that he's able to get whatever treatment is necessary, whether that's a liver transplant or other treatment. And I hope they can get to the bottom of what's caused that. And Lexi Johnson's uncle, Pat Hall, passed away early on Wednesday. The funeral was yesterday. It may be that you just sailed through your week and had no idea about all the things that were happening to our family. Nevertheless, here we are today to worship our God, to join together as a family, and I thought you should know those things. I'm thankful that we reach out and we help like we do where we see needs that exist. And I'm thankful that we are a praying congregation and we believe in the power of prayer, don't we? So we're going to pray this morning, thanking God and begging God and asking that he will be with us today as we talk about what it takes to really grasp the opportunity to be observant enough about the things around us, to be prepared when we do lay hold of something really important. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for today, the first day of this week, the farthest that history has progressed. We thank you, Lord, that we have sufficient health and strength that we can assemble here and Father, amongst us are those who are suffering. I know Luther is in pain as he sits there, but he's here to worship you. I know that Eddie is still in recovery from his surgery from only a few days ago, but he is here to worship you too. And I pray all of us have the same dedication and commitment to serve you as these examples living among us. I pray, Father, for Martha Yates and her recovery, that her foot will heal and that she'll have good use of her ankle again. I pray for Tim Floyd in his recovery. I pray, Lord, that the mounting ailments that he has been facing are going to slowly uh, be healed. And I pray for his family as they are holding vigil beside him. We pray for Martha Eaton that despite these numerous setbacks and injuries over the course of many years, that despite all of that, that her strength and your healing will prevail and she will get over this obstacle as she has the others. We pray for the nanny family as they have been hit with an unimaginable illness. And I pray, Father, that you will promote healing in CHIP and whatever is warranted medically, I pray, Lord, that the doctors will determine that it'll be the correct path and that he will get better. And we pray for Lexi Johnson and her family and the death of her uncle. We pray comfort for them. And we pray, Lord, that you'll enable us to be a support to her as a member of our family here 
We pray, Lord, that you will bless us now as we are studying together your word. And I pray, Lord, that this exhortation will be one that's enlivened in all of us, that you will kindle and increase a flame within us that will result in great things for this congregation. In Jesus' name, amen. So <laughs> you, you can't miss it. I'm hearing it in nearly every service. I'm hearing it in the announcements. Honestly, I, I, I'm getting kind of tired of hearing about it, about us grasping those opportunities. Uh, but it is a demonstration of being alive. It isn't that we're just reaching forward. Now we're moving on that and we are laying hold of some things. And that's altogether exactly what we ought to be doing. Our text is Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. I want to grab it and I want to see some action. I want to do something to the glory of God. God will bless that. He's put it in our path. Let's not avoid it. Let's not turn our mind from it. Let's, let's go with it and whatever it is. This text here is at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. It is like a final exhortation to the church in Corinth. It's important as we're talking that if we're going to grasp an opportunity that, that not only are we in the action of grabbing it, but in order to be successful in implementing whatever it is we need to do, we need to be, need to be pretty observant about the things that are happening around us so that we're able to focus intently upon the action and not distracted or beset by the things that are of danger around us. That is an age-old exhortation because that's exactly the kind of exhortation that's here in this text. The church that was in Corinth, it was in a society that did not hide its sinfulness. In fact, I, I guess it probably didn't even think that the things it was doing openly were sinful at all. I'm sure that the citizens of that time thought that they were open-minded, they were modern people, and they were in control of their own destiny, so they could do whatever they wanted to. And the church was then having examples of sinfulness being played out right there in front of them all the time. You couldn't walk out of your house without being inundated by some example of sinfulness in such a corrupt city. So Paul says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong, let all that you do be done with love. Well, what was true then for a city has become true for a nation, hasn't it? Can you hardly walk outside your house 
wait a minute. <laughs> you don't have to walk out your side, outside the house to see it. You turn on the television. You can be programmed by it. Desensitized by the blatant presentation of sin and even the, even the glorification of it. It's, it's everywhere. Seems to me that as much as that was an exhortation for their time, how, how much more is that true for us today? If I'm going to be able to grasp the opportunity, I, I need to be aware of what's happening around me. I need to be observant. I need to be, I need to be keen on these observations of mine. And so I want to look at some elements that this text emphasizes that need to be in place for all of us as we are grasping these opportunities so that we truly can be a people that are more and more aware of our setting so that we can be more effective in laying hold of these things. First thing he talks about is watchfulness. Watchfulness is necessary for keen observation. Well, what does it mean to be watchful, to watch? It means to be alive, to be aware, to have a sense, to, to, to be in the moment, to pay attention. Sometimes we're told in the scriptures to be careful about temptation that's around you. And certainly that was what was happening there and happens with us all the time. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, that text says to watch and pray that you do not slip into, fall into temptation. He said, Jesus did to his disciples that the spirit is strong, it's willing, but the flesh, well, he said, that's weak. For them, it was a temporary moment of weakness in the sense of literally being weak and falling asleep in one of the greatest moments of trial in Jesus's life. And Jesus says, you've, you've got to overcome this sleepiness, literally sleepiness and wake up. And if you can't physically handle that, then you know what? Let's, let's pray that God will help you to do that. Watch and pray. I need you with me. I think maybe our first step in watchfulness is just, Lord, help me to be aware. Help me to pay attention. Make me feel alive in this process of grabbing on to these opportunities. Sometimes it's the battle that we're in and we are warned about Satan's attempts to slow us down in our effort to grasp opportunities. First Peter five, verse eight, be sober. That's the idea. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that these same struggles, these same problems stresses, difficulties are faced by your brotherhood in the world. The same thing that you're facing, your brothers are facing too. 
I think maybe that's some consolation knowing I'm not the only one dealing with some of these things. Yet, regardless of what everybody else is facing, I'm facing it. And he said, be sober about that. Be vigilant, always on guard. Be awake, be alive. Be aware of what it is you're struggling with. Sometimes we're to be watchful in terms of the situation that exists with other people around us. I know that the Lord is returning. And so I want to hold vigil myself. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober, be ready for the coming of the Lord. But can you say that we should be interested in other people? Yeah, here's what tends to happen. Oh, I want to make sure that I've got my life straight. And so I want to avoid temptation. I want, I want the devil to flee me. I want to be watchful and ready for the Lord's return. But in that, in that role effectively as a sentinel, as one watching, I, I need to also sound the warning. And Jesus is the one who sent his disciples to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm gonna be with you but literally to go is as you are going. And oftentimes we emphasize the important role of, of mission work and going into all the world. And usually that means crossing over national borders and all of that. Hey, those are great works. But literally what Jesus said was, as you are going, make disciples. Now I ask the question, when is it that I'm going? <laughs> Well, we're going all the time, right? I don't have to cross a border in order to do mission work. I can be doing mission work in the cubicle that's next side of me in the workplace. I can be doing that same mission work at the grocery store in line, just striking up a conversation. Where there are people who are lost, there is the opportunity of going. So all of us need to be watchful, aware of what's happening around us, to be observant for the possibility, and then grasp that opportunity when it, when it presents itself. He says to stand fast in the faith. So I'm going to say steadfastness is also necessary for keen observation. Steadfastness. So stand fast. You can break that into the idea of standing firm. And then that carries the sense that where I stand is where I'm going to hold. I'm, I'm going to remain here. Nothing, nothing is going to push me, if you will, out of 
this spot right here. Now he says to stand fast in that spot, stand fast in the faith. Isaiah chapter seven, verse nine says that if you don't believe, then you can't be established. I thought that was an interesting little piece to throw into the mix here. If you don't believe, if you're not really committed to that belief, if there's no, if there's no real truth abiding in you, then why in the world would you think that you would be established? Maybe it is that sometimes we are tossed to and fro, not because we are just necessarily weak. Maybe it's just that we don't have the faith to begin with. Maybe that's why we're easy targets for Satan. If I don't have it, Isaiah said, I can't be established. Okay. That lends itself to the idea that, okay, if I'm going to believe in Jesus, first of all, I'm going to believe in Jesus. He's the son of God. Then that means that Jesus Christ and I, we're coming together here. It's not like he's over there and I'm just, you know, remotely interested in him. We're, we're talking about knowing him. We're talking about trusting him, having fellowship with him and being absolutely committed to him. When that, when that happens, then what Paul said in a previous chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, would be so true. He said to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That is not just the sense that I believe in him and I stand here, but I'm committed to him. And it's because of that that I am not going to move, to be steadfast in that sense. I was thinking that this creates for us a little bit of a dilemma. And I want us to think for a moment about this idea. I'm wanting to be steadfast, but I'm gonna to have to be a person that's not only committed to the idea of Jesus as the Son of God, all that intimacy business that we just listed, knowing him, the fellowship and all that, that's going to be founded in solid doctrine. That's where I'm standing firm. In Hebrews chapter 13, verses eight and nine, we find out that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then he adds this, do not be tossed about with every kind or form of doctrine. Don't be cast about with that which is in error. That, that's coming all the time. There's always an opposition to truth. He said, remember, Jesus isn't changing in regard to that. So don't be susceptible to those various or varying or strange doctrines that come along. Don't let your mind be tantalized by that. So you say, okay, Ken, I'm going to stand firm. I'm going to hold to the true doctrine. Okay, great. That's going to require a lot of balance in us. Here's what I mean by that. 
Yeah, I want to stand firm right here, but we're also talking about reaching forward and grasping opportunities. And I'm, for fear of breaking my neck, I'll just illustrate that if I'm holding firm here, but I'm reaching forward, that's as far as I'm going. <laughs> you, you see the problem. If I don't remain balanced, if I don't hang on to the truth in my notions of how to move forward, then I'm going to get out of balance and then I will not only not be remaining firm as I stumble forward, but I'll also not be, I'll not be in the doctrine. That's not where we want to go. We want to be promoting the truth as we grasp opportunities that are ahead of us. Also, the idea of bravery. He said to be brave. That is a, that is a component that's necessary for keen observation. Brave. I thought it was interesting that the word that's translated from the Greek was brave because actually the word literally means to act like a man, to be a man. And, and all, the, all the image, I guess, of manliness is supposed to come through in that term. So I, I think of a lot of components that really embrace the idea of manliness, but really when they translated it brave, I guess, I guess they really nailed it. If, if you boil things down and try to blend them together, because the essence of being a man as a protector and provider requires that very thing, a great deal of bravery. Or Bravery is that broad concept of having courage. I've always been intrigued with the idea of courage. Courage is that state of mind or spirit that enables one to face danger with confidence and resolution. I'm confident, although I may even be afraid, but I'm confident and I'm resolved. I'm, I'm doing this. That's courage. David had that when he faced Goliath. And, and here's what he had, despite any fear that he may have had personally, here's what he had that gave him resolution, gave him confidence. It's, it's characterized in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 37. David said, here's something that I know. The Lord has delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, and he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Now, right there is some simple faith. I may be scared to death of a nine and a half foot giant, but I am confident because God will empower me to have this victory. How about a different picture? How about one that is still as sure, but boy, if you were going to calculate it, you'd say this is like 0%. How about Nadab, or, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from Daniel chapter 3. In verses 17, 18, 19, here they are being commanded that they are to bow down to this gold image that has been made. And if they don't, they're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. 
And here's their confidence and their resolution. They told King Nebuchadnezzar, they said, we know that the Lord can deliver us and he will deliver us. But if he doesn't, <laughs> we're still not going to serve your gods and we are not going to worship this gold image. Now, what about that? I know God is going to do it. He can do it, but if he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't have to worry about me. I'm still, even then, going to be faithful. Boy, that is some courage and some resolution. Uh, the first century church was that way too, right? In Acts chapter 8, verse 3, it is none other than Saul of Tarsus who is gathering up Christians for punishment. He's going to be persecuting the church, throwing them into prison. But in verse 4, yeah, they're scattered and they're running in every direction, but as they go, it says that they are preaching the word. Maybe afraid, but I have confidence and I have the resolution. I, I can stand bravely and confidently knowing that the Lord is with me. You say, well, Ken, I, I, I'm not facing a literal giant of a person. I'm, I'm not subject to being thrown into a fiery furnace. I'm not even really under persecution as a Christian. Yeah, but don't we still need courage? I mean, we need courage every day to do the right thing. But I'm thinking in grander terms here, grasping opportunities. You know the Lord sent us on that mission as we're going to preach the gospel, to teach somebody the gospel. And I'm thinking it takes courage to do that. What can you say in terms of confidence uh, with regard to that? Well, first of all, uh, the very last thing that he said in Matthew chapter 28 was that he was going to be with us as we go about that work. And I was also thinking about the effectiveness of the gospel. It's built in and guaranteed. I may be a disaster. <laughs> I may not be very good. I may create stumbling blocks, but the gospel itself is going to be effective if we will just set it out there and let it go. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We have the tools. It's just that in this modern age, it, it takes some courage to step out there get out of our comfort zone in order to share the gospel with somebody. But I don't know of any act that we could do that would greater honor God than to be a, be a part of his mission on this planet. That, that's our duty to do. 
He also says to be strong. So the idea of strength is necessary for keen observation. Strength. So Ken, what do you mean by being strong? Well, the word that is translated strong there literally means Strong. <laughs> it means strong to be, to be empowered. I want to be empowered. All right. How, how about this? Now this is talking about Jesus in his development. In Luke chapter two and verse 40, just to comment about how he was doing, it says among other things that he was strong in spirit. How was Jesus spiritually as he was growing up? Strong. Go a little bit later. There is a broad description of his development in verse 52. It says that he increased. So he was getting stronger. He increased in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and men. Okay, so he was growing intellectually, getting stronger intellectually. He was getting stronger physically. He was getting stronger socially with other people. And he was getting stronger in his relationship with God. I'm, I am absolutely sure that there's a lot of emphasis in everybody's life, in your life, in my life, on our children even on ourselves, we want to get smarter. We want our kids to be smart. We want them to go to the best schools. We want them to grow physically. We want them to be good in athletics or be able to be strong and do good work or have a good affinity for something they can do with their hands. We want them to be successful. We want them to be able to interact with other people, be, be socially connected. But what do we do spiritually? You say, Ken, I'm right here. You know, I'm here because I want to hear the word of God. I want to be, I want to be built up spiritually. Okay. But I, I'm, I'm asking if just being here today is enough to compare to the other aspects of our lives that we are strengthening. If you gave as much time and diligence to your physical state as you do to your spirituality, how would you be doing? And same with your mental acuity. Same thing with your social connections. If you spent as much time with other people as you spend with Jesus, what would your social life look like? The reason I ask that is because over the years, I, 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 have, I have literally been all over the world. And that experience has made it possible for me to meet what I consider to be some of the smartest and most successful people in the world. I have in mind right now an individual who lives in another country who has multiple patents where he designs and builds products that go all over the world. I could, I could name some of those products that you use right here. I know him. He's not only interested in his business in which he has like eight different businesses, all of which do 
all sorts of things, just in all different arenas, in healthcare, in military, on and on. He has diverse interests. He built his own plane and he flies it. He is a health fanatic. He eats all the right foods and on and on and on. Just an absolute genius. But when we sit down to talk about spiritual things, if I told him, open your Bible to, let's let's do an easy one. Matthew chapter one. He, He would not begin to know where to go in his Bible. Now he asks challenging, spiritually based questions that he wants answered. But he never goes back to the scripture to see if it's true. He asks those questions because it is intriguing to his mind. He's physically in great shape. He's mentally as smart as anybody I know. He is socially connected with people all over the world, but he does not know the word of God. If just, just saying, if you and I were to sit down here, a Bible in front of each of us, and I asked you, listen, you know, we, we have this, we have this burden of responsibility, share the gospel with somebody. I know that like last Sunday, I spelled out that gospel in as simple and broad a way as I knew how. Every single Sunday evening, Doug is standing here before these children and they are going over the plan of salvation. But seriously now, Uh, You're very smart in the kind of work that you do. Uh, You take care of yourself physically. Uh, You are socially connected, but could you sit down with your Bible and turn to a few important passages in order to share the gospel with somebody who doesn't know it? Could you do that? You can answer that as you're sitting in that seat right now, but... The reason I ask that question is not to shame us. And maybe it doesn't shame you. Maybe you're like, Ken, that would be so easy. Here's what I would do. Okay, great. But I'm thinking, I'm thinking that the majority of people don't know how to do that. Now I have to ask myself, if I am giving as much time and effort to my spiritual self as I am giving to these other things that are important to me, wouldn't wouldn't I be able to do that and so, so much more? It's important. It's what shields us from the efforts of Satan, knowing the word of God. In Ephesians chapter six, beginning verse 10, he says, be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against uh, flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. 
Therefore, he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Am I spiritually healthy? Is my spiritual life as strong as every other area of my life? If I'm going to grasp the opportunity, I need to be aware of where I am in that question. And then the final thing is, what's love? He says... To have this love in all that you do. Let all that you do be done with love. All that you do. All that you do what? Let's just look at this little capsule right here. As you are watching do that with love. As you're standing fast in the faith, do that with love. As you are being brave, do that with love. As you are strong, do that with love. Wait now, Ken, I'm thinking, wow, this is kind of empowering a little bit, especially since we looked at Ephesians 6. So got on that panoply of God, got on that armor. I'm a soldier, aren't I? Isn't that what that text is talking about? Being watchful like a soldier, standing fast, you know, like a soldier, being brave, being strong, a soldier. Man, I'm ready to go out there and fight. Lord, empower me to slay the enemy. Okay. Yeah, you are like Mount Sinai, just standing up there and ready to fight the good fight. Okay. But be sure that that vigor for the Lord does not become an impediment, a stumbling block to doing the thing that you set out to do. You may start slinging that sword and cutting people down that you never intended to cut down. Maybe instead of using a sword to slay people, maybe we use it like a scalpel. A surgeon with a scalpel can use that in such a precise and meaningful way as to get rid of the disease without harming the healthy parts. Lord, help us never to be so unyielding in our fervor that we just squash people. We become mean with the gospel. Now he says, what, what you do, you do that with, with love. Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, is the idea. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, 
I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Does not exalt itself. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Let's be sure that as we are holding fast our place and we are reaching forward to the grasp the opportunity ahead of us, with all kinds of bravery and strength that we make sure that we're doing that in love. There are a lot of great opportunities right there in front of us. Maybe it's the opportunity to make some of this right, to get my priorities straight. Yeah, successful in every area of my life, but giving so little attention to my spiritual life. Let's change that, okay? We need to pray about it. Let's pray about it today. Get that part behind us and be reinvigorated for the Lord. Maybe you're not a child of God today. Today's the day. There's no better day than today. There is no other day than today. Obey the gospel. Have your sins washed away. Leave out of here knowing that you are right with God. Watch. Stand fast in the faith. Be brave. Be strong. Let all that you do. Be done with love. If you need to respond, now's your opportunity. Why don't you come while we stand together and sing?
the O Lord. Do I lift up my for the Lord's Supper, we will sing Jesus Keep Me Near the Cross, number 383.
you don't have the emblems for the Lord's Supper, the ushers, if you'll raise your hands, the ushers will pass that out to you at this time. While they're passing that out, if you would turn to Luke chapter 22 and verse 14. This is after they secured the upper room. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus so wanted to be with them, so wanted to have this moment to focus on what God had provided for them in the past and do that in remembrance. And he says, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until I fulfilled it, fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and after giving thanks, he said, take this, share it among yourselves. For I tell you from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 20 in the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant established by my blood. It is shed for you. Continuing on, he says, But I look, and the hand of the one betraying me is at the table with me. For the Son of Man will go away as has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And so they began to argue among themselves which of them it could be who was doing this doing this thing. As Christ was laying the foundation for the Lord's Supper, he knew what was coming so soon. And as soon as he announced that to those that were there to partake of it, they became distracted. I pray that we don't become distracted by the things of the world after we partake this supper. I pray that we will partake of this in a worthy manner. And I pray that we will always focus on Christ and what his blessings have been to us. If you would, bow with me as we protect the bread. Father God in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time to come to worship you, to show our love to you. But Father God, to remember the gift that you gave to us through your body upon that cross, that you freely gave, that you did not deserve, but you did it for us and for our hope and our future in heaven, Father. Father God, we ask that you bless this bread, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you bow with me? Father God in heaven, we come again to your throne. As we look upon this fruit of the cup that represents the blood that was spilled that made that perfect sacrifice, Lord God, we pray that you will bless this cup, that you will bless our lives, and that Christ will show through us. Father God, help us always to look towards that cross. And Father God, help us always to look towards his resurrection that gives us the hope to be in heaven one day. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Doxology. Praise God for the moon. 
Bow with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. And God, at this time, we're reminded that every single thing we have is a blessing from you. We pray this morning that we will be cheerful givers. We thank you for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a peace I've come to know. Church Christ this morning. We're thankful uh, to see everyone. We're thankful if you're visiting with us. And I want to say this because I'll forget it. Ken just gave me an announcement. There will be no debate today. Second part. Scrapbook from three to five. And scrapbook will be from three to five. Right. I have several other announcements I would like to uh, read to us. I have a card first. This card is from the toughest guy I know, Brother Luther Mormon. Your kindness meant a great deal to me. Thank you for all your cards, calls, and texts while I was out for surgery. I miss my church family so very much. I know you were praying for me, Luther Mormon. Luther, it's certainly good to see you. Hope you're doing well. Got a note here from Stephen. I had to make sure uh, that this was Stephen Hodgen. Parents, if you, if any, excuse me, parents, if any young man needs help writing his speech, Stephen will be glad to help with this. Please contact him today to set up a time. And that's Stephen Hodgins. So please see him. And I just want to make sure it was him because I thought it could be a prank. Uh, we're getting Stephen to write a bunch of speeches, but he really wants to do that for us. So if you have a young man that needs help writing his speech, Stephen will be glad to help. If you have your bulletin, please make sure, uh, especially last the leaders, but please make sure if you're involved with last the leaders, you look at this bulletin today. Lots of events going on. Uh, first, we had also this morning 314 in attendance. Guy Gardner caught me this morning outside, and he said the Easter egg barrel will be out there. Uh, I don't know if that'll be this evening, it may be next week, but uh, we're going to be needing Easter eggs. And that's the plastic ones, not the real ones, because it'll get the smelling out there. So Easter eggs, bring those. There'll be a barrel outside. If you've got any questions, see Guy or see Amelia. Also, ladies who can help with the nursery during Sunday morning worship, please sign a list in the foyer. Also, men who are willing to present a four to five minute devotional 
on Wednesday night, please sign uh, that list in the foyer as well. Don't forget, look at those bulletins, lots of events going on, last the leaders' events and other things, so please check those bulletins. And that's all the announcements that I have this morning. Today is a very special day for us here at the Boonville Church of Christ, and we're glad that you're here to uh, see the events that uh, have been going on today. One month ago, we, the elders of the Boonville Church of Christ, proposed six men to be considered for being deacons here at the Boonville Church of Christ. We want to thank you for all of your input and for all of the good comments that each of you have made. Today, we want to officially recognize these men as our new deacons. You'll notice that four of these men will be uh, serving as SALT team leaders. In the very near, near future, we are going to announce some changes in the SALT team program. We're, we will be going from four teams to six teams, uh, and they will be a very important part of the SALT team program, along with others of our deacons and other members. Uh, we're thankful for these new members uh, that will be serving along with the present deacons that we already have, and we are looking forward to grasping the opportunities that the Lord opens for us in this year. These new deacons are uh, Todd English. He'll serve as a SALT team leader. Stephen Hodgen, in addition to his duties as our uh, coordinator for our education program, will also be a SALT team leader. Cameron Hodgen, I mean, uh, <clears throat> Cameron Jumper. Uh, you know, it, it kind of runs together when you get old. Cameron Jumper is going to be one of our SALT team leaders. And Jody Long will be serving as a SALT team leader. Chris Langley will uh, be serving as our uh, worship assignment coordinator. He does a great job with that. If you'll see him every Sunday morning, he's busy making sure everybody's here. In addition to these, Jonathan Farr will be serving as our lads to leader coordinator. Jonathan's not able to be with us this morning, uh, but his family is here, and we, we want to recognize them for that. We're thankful for these godly men, for their, their lives that they have served, for their good families, and for the example that they set before this congregation. This time, we would like to ask Brother Ken to come forward and to pray for them and to pray for the church here at Boonville, and this will also be our dismissal prayer. Let's bow together. Our Father in heaven, we come before you humbled in your presence. We express our thanks in so many ways, but today as a church family, we recognize that this moment is a special moment in that these men 
have taken upon themselves responsibility as part of the lifeblood of this congregation. We have so many deacons already who are busy silently as they do their work, and we pray your continued blessings upon them. But we're thankful for these men who are added to their ranks and who will make it possible for us to flourish as we move forward. We pray your blessings on Todd and his family, and we thank you for the the character that he has that made him eligible for this position. We pray you'll bless him in his role as a SALT team leader, and pray that uh, you'll bless those who are under his care, that they'll respond to his leading. We pray for Stephen, who already is uh, carrying a burden of a lot of roles here, especially in our education role, but we pray, Father, that you'll bless him now with this a new series of duties that you'll also give him success and be able to lead a group in an effective way. We pray for Cameron Jumper and your blessings on him and his family. Uh, we pray that you'll help him too as he leads his SALT team, that uh, this will be an effective means of uh, building our body closer together, but also as a means of outreach. We pray for Jody Long, who is known in our community and is respected. And, and now as a deacon, Father, we, we pray that he'll be effective in his role as a team leader, but also as he is an encouragement to those he works with, the students who play on his team, and for the work that he does in this church. We pray your blessings on Chris Langley as he has a difficult role in being certain that our worship services go in a very smooth and orderly fashion. And it is a stressful position. But Lord, we pray that you will bless him as he goes about filling those voids that always exist and does it in a seamless sort of fashion. And we pray your blessings on Jonathan Farr as he leads our Lads to Leaders program, uh, an effort that we put forth to instruct our children in the way they ought to go. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'll help him to have a, a good handle on all the different aspects of that as he also participates himself as a coordinator. I pray that as a leader of that work that You'll just give him insight and management skills that will help us to be the very best that we can be, both with the adults and helping and especially our young people as they participate. Lord, please bless us as we have selected these good men from among us. And I pray, Lord, that you empower them in ways that they can be effective in the roles which they serve. And Lord, help us to be respectful of the duties that they have, to be encouraging to them, and to hold them up in a godly manner. Thank you for the rich blessings that you continue to shower on us as a church. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.